Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, your home for learning ways to attract more traffic to your website, generate more leads, convert more leads into customers, and build stronger relationships with your customers. And now, your hosts, Justin Johnson and Ken Franzen. Hey, Neon Noise Nation. Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, where we decode marketing and sales topics to help you grow your business. I am Justin, and with me, I have my co-host, Ken. Ken, how are you doing today? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I am doing fabulous. Thank you for asking. Uh, excited to chat with our featured guest today. We have Wayne Mellons. He is the owner of Ugly Mug Marketing, a results-focused marketing agency. He's the author of multiple books, including The Freelance Freedom Formula, The Ultimate Guide to Pricing and Proposals, which provides lessons from an industry-leading web design company, he has also written, So You Have a Website, Now What? The Insider Guide to Monetizing Your Website. Hey, Wayne, uh, welcome to Neon Noise. Hey, Justin and Ken, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Hey, Wayne, do me a favor and uh, fill in the blanks on anything I may have missed and share a little bit about your background with us. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So, uh... I'm the founder of Ugly Mug Marketing. We've been around for uh, eight years now. And uh, in a previous life, uh, way back in the day, I actually started a lawn and landscape company and grew that over a three-year period, um, ended up selling that business at the age of 24. And as a result of the growth of that company, had lots of local and regional business owners reach out to me for help with marketing and sales. And so that kind of ultimately led into what I'm doing now with Ugly Mug Marketing. Cool. Very, very cool. Uh, you got to you gotta talk quick about Ugly Mug Marketing. How'd you come up with that name? It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so Ugly Mug Marketing, the name itself comes from a quote from David Ogilvy. So for those who don't know, David Ogilvy uh, comes over to America and with $40 in his pocket decides he's going to build an ad agency. And within about 15 years, he'd built the largest ad agency in the world. And mm -hmm. he had a saying that was, I would rather an ad that is ugly, that delivers results, than one that is beautiful, that doesn't. And honestly, mm -hmm. that's, that's the quote or the phrase that kind of inspired the name Ugly Mug Marketing. Very cool. Cool story. <laughs> Very I neat. love it. I highly doubt many people forget your name. That's cool. <laughs> no, it definitely it sticks in the brain. <laughs> Good so stuff. Place us back in the time with the landscaping. What when was this? And, and I'm what I'm trying to do is is point us to where the marketing world was during the time you had that three years of growth and how that sparked all this interest from local other local business owners. Sure. So um, that would have been pretty much right after college for me. That would have been a couple of years out of, out of college, uh, directly out of college. I got a couple of jobs in advertising sales. So I worked for a national billboard company selling outdoor advertising. Um, from that, I decided to want to go on my own. And the easiest thing I could figure out at the time was lawn and landscape. So jumped into that. And really with, you know, you don't have to have a ton of experience to, to do that type of company or that type of job. Um, but to compete when you're, you know, 22 years old and you're competing with people who are well-established in your community, who have you know, large crews and name recognition, I was a nobody who, you know, probably at the time looked like I was still in high school. Um, and so what I did was I really just followed and kind of built 
systems, and I was very systematic about the marketing approach that we took, um, everything from lead generation all the way down to turning existing customers into what we would call evangelists. So in other words, having them out actively promoting on our behalf. Awesome. So, so these systems, these predictable, methodical uh, routines that, that you've established that, that made everything simple and, and almost machine-like. Yeah, absolutely. I think oftentimes we, as marketers, as entrepreneurs, um, because we're such high visionaries, we often overcomplicate things by you know, trying this new thing or chasing this new magic thing that we think is going to radically change our business. And often, instead of just sticking to the tried and true and going back to those things and, and doing what ends up getting boring, you know, so initially things are exciting when you start a new marketing campaign or a new sales process, but over time that gets boring for high visionary people, for entrepreneurs. And so we tend to convolute it, pour more stuff on top of it or delete stuff out of it. And so we end up creating big headaches for ourselves in that process of trying to find this magic bullet that's going to be exciting and that's going to radically scale our businesses. Yes, we're our own worst enemy, right? Absolutely. Everybody wants the magic bullet. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So what what made you decide, uh, specifically, uh, I'm, I'm interested in the, so you have a website, Now What? Uh, book, because I think that the, while, while we have some freelancers, I think in our in our audience, I think we have more that uh, that our business owners with websites would be more interested in hearing you maybe talk about this particular topics, the topics within this book a little bit more. What made you decide to write this book? Um, and uh, kind of let's touch on a little bit about what's inside. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just a quick kind of history on how it got to the point of, of needing to write this book. Uh, so when Ugly Mug Marketing was originally founded, all we really did at that time was direct response marketing campaigns for clients. Um, and then we started branching into more traditional marketing campaigns that still emphasize the direct response aspect. Um, but over time, we kept having clients say, can you help with our website? Can you help with our website? And for the longest, the answer was no, we don't do web. Um, but then finally, just one day after, you know, I don't know what number it was, after hearing that question so many times, finally decided, yes, we can. And had no clue what to do with web, how to do web, uh, but I knew I could figure it out in terms of, I knew I could go find somebody and hire somebody who could actually do the work. And so that's kind of how it began. And so to date, here we are probably about six and a half years later in terms of doing web. Uh, we've now built right over 500 custom websites. Uh, we've built websites in 10 different countries, um, covered the majority of the states in the United States in terms of clients where we've built, and kept seeing this recurring pattern, recurring thing that kept coming up. People would come to us with this grand vision, this grand idea of once I get my website, once I have this thing built, it's going to magically help my business grow. And over and over, we would hear this. And so it got to the point where even today, we'll, we'll say when we're meeting with a prospect, look, if you build it, they won't come, right? Because a website is just a tool. And until you know how to use that tool, it's going to do like the brochures that you order. It's going to do just like the business cards you've got stacked up somewhere or the T-shirts in the back you know, closet. They're not going to do any good. Your website's not going to do you any good 
unless you learn to utilize this tool. And so that's where this book comes from, is really something for us to communicate with our clients who, you know, we're having a website built that, one, this is not just some magic thing that you build it and magically it's going to transform your business, but you're going to have to work it. And here's some components, some pieces to help you start utilizing this tool, this website that you have. Excellent. In some of the key topics or maybe components that you touch on, uh, I've noted here uh, four main ones, know your market, find your competitive edge, what customers need and what your web developer didn't tell you. Um, can we touch on each one of these, starting with know your market and maybe uh, you fill in any blanks of anything I might've missed there, some additional topics or ideas that you might want to add to it? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first one, know your market. Um, we had a client come to us. This is probably now five years or so ago. Very, very successful businessman. He owned kind of, I guess, what would be called like a conglomerate, or he owned a lot of different companies all under one umbrella or parent company. And he was launching into a cattle ranch. He had just bought a cattle ranch. I think it was about 2,000 acres of land. And he had bought it, and he wanted to brand it. He wanted to build a website. And so he comes to us, and, he, and we're beginning the process of going through building the website. And this man, although, you know, he was interested in cattle, he had always owned cattle and horses, et cetera, um, he was not a cattleman. He was a businessman. He was a suit and tie. And so he kept trying to push us towards building a website that was very corporate which matched him. And so we, we literally you know, had serious arguments with him over the aesthetics of what the website should feel like, what we're trying to communicate through the website, and most importantly, who we're trying to communicate with. And so what we ended up doing for him is we actually said, look, you know, you've got your opinion, we have ours on what the website should look like, should feel like, and you know, what we're trying to accomplish with it. So here's what we wanna do. Can we come to your next cattle auction with various mocks, we'll present them to the attendees at the cattle auction, and we'll let them vote. What do you like most? What do you like least? Why? And so that's exactly what we did. We went to the cattle auction, we presented the options, and you know, ultimately, and not to, not to say that we were right, but we were right. Um, he, in his mind, saw it a certain way. He wanted to make it kind of the Ritz-Carlton of cattle ranches, which is great, nothing wrong with that vision, but He's dealing with cowboys, right? They didn't see this Ritz-Carlton look and feel. What they saw, they wanted to see, was something more Western, something that had a certain element, a certain feel to it. So the very first thing to know is you, your person, you know, you as a person, your view is probably skewed in terms of what you think your customer wants to see. And we get, you know, this kind of tunnel vision because we're so busy, um, at that stage, you know, when we're looking to either build our first website or rebrand an existing, we got so much other stuff going on as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, that it's very, very difficult for us to put ourselves in the shoes of our prospective customers or clients. And so that is what Know Your Market's all about. You've really got to dive into and really understand their perspective. And honestly, the simplest way to do that is to Ask them, just like we did with the cattle auction. Go ask them um, what, what they like. What do they want to see? What feels right to them? So that's, that's the first one, know your market. Um, the competitive edge one, 
um, it kind of goes back to you know what makes you different, what makes you stand out. So using that same example, at where we live, there's a lot of different cattle companies, cattle ranches around this area. You know, Louisiana over in Texas, there's just there's a lot of them. So the question becomes, what makes you different? What's your competitive edge? And how does that get communicated through the website? Right? You may be able to articulate it. You may be able to say, I'm different because you know, we provide the greatest service or we have the lowest prices or we have the most innovative app. But how do you communicate that back on your website? Um, so that's, that's kind of the area around competitive edge. And I realize that's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could really dive into and, and get really, really deep on identifying competitive edge. Um, what do your customers need? So one of the most common mistakes we see people uh, make when they go to build a website is they never really sit down and think through what do we actually want our website to accomplish as it relates to prospective customers or clients and then existing clients or customers. And so you have to sit down and think through every single page of your website. What is it that you're trying to accomplish and what are you trying to deliver based on your customer or your client's needs, wants, or desires? So that's, that's a big element of what we do in the work that we do as well as what's covered in the book as well. And then in terms of what your web developer didn't tell you, um, the, the most common thing is that, you know, and I experienced this back when I had the lawn and landscape company. I hired a web developer back then to build a website for my company, and it was probably one of the first lawn and landscape companies in this area, this region, to even have a website. And I remember sitting down with the designer and going through the process of kind of articulating or attempting to articulate what I wanted the website to accomplish for me. And it was as if, as if he was uh, throwing fuel on my fire, on my desire to have this thing that would magically help my business grow. And so what I often see is that web designers, and it's not by, by you know, malice or uh, bad intent, but they don't really do a good job of communicating to clients that a website is nothing more than a tool, a tool that's gotta be used. It's not gonna magically transform your business unless you're prepared to work that tool. So that would be one thing that web developers don't do a great job of communicating. The other would be that I've seen, in, again, it's rampant in the web development, web design industry, is this belief that a designer or developer who has won a bunch of design awards is the best, most logical solution because after all, they've won design awards. And so for us at Ugly Mug Marketing, we will not, we have not, and at no point in the future will we ever submit any of our stuff for any type of design award. And the reason we won't is because it shifts our focus then from figuring out what's best for our client to trying to win a design award. And so what we often see is we, we see that web developers, web designers will tout, you know, you go to their website and they'll, they'll have all the awards that they've won or their sites have won for their clients over the years. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm all for sites that look great, um, but a great looking site is useless if it doesn't help the business owner, the company, the entrepreneur reach their goals. Absolutely. I, I agree with that completely. And I find it interesting um, 
with regards to in a little bit, I, I kind of want to backtrack maybe to each one of these points to, to maybe a little bit and say um, the know your market with the, the the comparison or the surveying you did with the cattle ranch at the auction. Uh, awesome story there, and I think it's something that most businesses aren't taking into consideration uh the the voice of their their actual audience and surveying them or or reaching out and talking to their customers to find out what they want because their ideal of what they or how they buy or what they perceive to be attractive may differ from their customer base do you do this type of activity the surveying this this customer research often with uh for website clients or projects or marketing uh campaigns that you're going to embark on yeah every opportunity that we have to do that we absolutely will do that um you know it's not always as exaggerated as that example um what made that that example in that that case so unique is here you've got a businessman who extremely successful i'm talking about multiple companies doing multiple multiple million dollars a year in each company and so what made that one so different or so unique is here you've got a very astute businessman who knows a lot about marketing he knows how to drive sales and so in this case he was just completely blinded in this new market that he was getting into so oftentimes what we discover is that most clients aren't that completely blinded you know what I mean? They have a general idea. They have a general feel for what's right. In this, in this case, he was just completely, you know, the wrong way, the opposite direction he should be going. So um, we don't have to do, we do it as much as we can, but we don't always have to go to cattle auctions per se to, to find these things out. What are some of the tools then that you do? Would you use like a survey monkey type uh, survey or, or do you do one-on-ones? Do you have your your clients engage in, in the, the research themselves? How, what are some of the, the tools that you might use or strategies you might recommend? Yeah, so we've, we've used all of those. So SurveyMonkey, we've done uh, internal, uh, you know, user experience case, case examples as well. Um, another that we've used, and this one can be a little tricky, but we've used Facebook um, to survey. We've also used private Facebook groups to survey. So if we know that we've got a uh, client's got a closed group, so we're having accurate sampling. We've used those very effectively to get feedback from the actual people that are involved in the organization or, or customers of the organization. It, again, it doesn't have to be a complicated thing, right? So if somebody's sitting there and they're, they're thinking, look, I've, I've got this business, I wanna redo or rebrand their website or build a website, um, it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It can be as simple as sending out an email, sending out a few different either wireframes or mocks of what the homepage may look like, may feel like, and using that as the starting point. Now, find your competitive edge. This is something I see as an opportunity that many business owners don't vocalize. What What is your experience when you're working with business owners? Um, do you find that most can clearly identify their competitive edge and they vocalize that on their sites or you find that to be a challenge? No, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's definitely a challenge by default. Most of the, the clients that we work with, when you ask what makes you different, what makes you unique, they go to the same words that any of their competitors could use. So 
you know, great service, great price, great selection, um, you know, X number of years experience, uh, industry leaders. Um, so they, they default to these things that really anybody could pull away, could, could take and use as their own. And so it's, it's very difficult sometimes to get people to really sit down and think through what is it, what, is, what distinguishes you from everyone else. So it's you know, the unique selling proposition. Um, and that's, that's a challenge, it really is. I think it goes back to though clearly understanding, you know, we didn't really talk about this, but your avatar, right? Who is this composite person that's your average ideal customer or client that you're trying to reach and communicate with? What are the words, what are the, what's the language that resonates well with them and communicates with them, evokes emotion within them? And then how do we, how do we massage that into an aesthetic, the look, the feel, and then the most important part of that is the content, the words that are being said, the words that are being spoken. Words that they identify resonate with well, in particular being the avatar, correct? Right. That aren't the cliche, the words that anybody else could pick up on, anybody else could use. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in identifying. So, so do you find that uh, the, the businesses you're working with, they, they know what that unique prop value proposition is that that differentiating factor that they just have troubles vocalizing it or do you do you find that you sometimes have to lead them or guide them into understanding what makes them different yeah i think i mean some do you know it's just it's a mix some some get it some don't um oftentimes that we do have to kind of guide them kind of help them discover how they communicate their usb what makes them different what makes them stand out from everybody else. So you've built over 500 websites across the U S and I think you said 10 countries. Correct. Um, that's, that's impressive. And, uh, it means that you've, you've probably seen, uh, just about, uh, everything you possibly can, or at least the, the majority of it. So when you're working with, you probably work with a lot of businesses that have had websites built in the past and you're not their first site. They've come in to you uh, for the first time, work with Ugly Mug Marketing the first time. Uh, they're choosing to work with you because they don't choose to work with the people they did in the past. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen, you see either business businesses make on the sites that they currently have or that they'd like to make with you uh, with the, the site they, they're, they're contracting to build with you? Yeah, so the very first thing would be clearly understanding what you want the website to actually do for you, right? So again, we're in the culture today where everyone feels as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, there's this kind of implied pressure that you have to have a website. And the sad part about that is most people never really sit down and figure out, okay, if I'm going to have this thing called a website, what do I actually want this thing to do? What do I want this tool to do for me? And so we have something that, that we call the natural progression. And what that simply is, is everybody starts out out there as a stranger, right? So they know nothing about our company, our brand, what we do, what we provide. Well, the next step we want to do is we want to move them to become a friend of ours. And to move them from a stranger to a friend, there's a couple of things that have to be in place to do that. They first of all have to know about us, 
And second of all, they have to like us, right? They have to have some form of like or affinity. If they hate what we do, they're never going to become a friend. If they hate who we are, they're never going to become a friend. And so once we get them to become a friend, the next step in that process is we want them to become a customer or a client of ours. And so the next big component, the big factor that's missing from going from a, a friend into a customer or a client is trust. You're not going to turn over your wallet. You're not going to enter even your email address, you know, opting in for something if there's not some form of element of trust in that relationship. And then the final component to that, and this is one that it's the most difficult to engineer on a website, but if executed correctly, can be the most powerful. It's turning existing customers into evangelists. Because when you turn existing customers into evangelists, what do they do? They go out and tell all their friends about you. So you bypass that whole stranger portion of it because they're out there doing the work for you. So when it comes to the website, that's the process that we attempt to think through when we're designing a website or building a website out is if we're going to have people who land on the site who are indeed strangers, so they, until they landed on our page, they knew nothing about us, right? They didn't even know we existed until they sat down and Googled whatever the keyword was or they clicked on a Facebook ad or whatever it may be. Logically, how can you utilize your site to bring people through that natural progression? And so that would be a very simple thing that that listeners could do, they could literally just sit down, pull up their homepage on their website, and ask themselves, if I were landing here for the first time and knew absolutely nothing about this, this organization, this business, how long would it take me to figure out what it is that they do and how that could benefit me as a visitor on the site? What is it that they do? And you know, it's establishing that trust. So, so what are some of the things that they should look at? What would you recommend that they, they key in on? Yeah, so what I would say is that, um, you know, with, with, I'm going to jump back a second and explain something I probably should have explained a little earlier that would maybe shed a different light on the conversation. So in design, so if you were to go to school and study design, um, there are three C's, the three C's of design. So there's composition, contrast, and then there's content. So the composition is the structure, the makeup of the thing that you're designing. The contrast would be the colors, the visuals that are used on it, right? That's the things that kind of create the emotion. And then the content. The content is the message that is the most important part that we're attempting to communicate. And what often happens is that designers love to design great, beautiful, attractive, award-winning things. And so the first thought in their brain is not the content or the message that we need to communicate. They're thinking about the contrast and the composition. So words, video, the message being communicated is the most important thing. The content's the most important thing on a website. Every other aspect and element should support the content. And so to answer your question, I would say, the thing to look at would be what content is being delivered that answers that question. So the visitor lands on the site for the first time, what content is being delivered that would help them clearly and quickly understand who you are, what you do in relation to their needs, wants, desires. 
perfect and, and and that i think is is a very 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 helpful tip and thanks for backing up and covering composition contrast content because i think it's so important that we point out content being the one main component where you may i think you'll agree with me a lot of times when you start working with someone on a web design the focus is on the aesthetics so much more than the content and that's backwards now that's i think that uh how do you do you do with ugly mug marketing are are you guys working with uh, uh projects where in the progression does content development come into play compared to the design right so for us you know as a company that's going to vary based on the client so we always would like to begin with content we would like to to do this really deep dive and help them be able to articulate you know, their USP, their unique selling proposition through their website. But budget constraints, et cetera, you know, some people come to us and they just say, look, we know what we want, we want to redesign, here's what we want, we want the same exact pages, make it look better. Um, so you know, sure. in the perfect world, we would only work with clients who would allow us to go through this drawn out process of getting the messaging right first. But the reality is we don't have that luxury. You know, um, we work with a wide range of people from, you know, New York Times bestselling authors all the way down to the local nonprofit, right? So um, that's, you know, content, content, content. You know, the old saying, content is king. It is absolutely true on the website. Um, you know, I, I can't stress enough, it's far better to get your content right than it is to have the most well-designed website in the world. You can win all the awards in the world for the, the greatest design, and that's fabulous. It'll make you feel good, but content is what's gonna sell. It's what's gonna build the relationship. It's what's gonna move people through that natural progression. If you were starting a business tomorrow, and that involves quite a bit of things to do, as we all know, what would be the first your first order of business as far as marketing goes? Or, or maybe even jump into that second. How would you start uh, beginning to market your business? What would be the first thing you'd focus on and how would you progress from there? Yep, the very first thing I would focus on is actually the USP. I would develop my unique selling proposition first and foremost. And the way I would do that though, is I would get crystal, crystal clear about the need, the want, or the desire that my product or service is gonna feel. I mean, crystal clear. Right, so it's it's the difference between uh, you know an average bottle of water and Fiji bottle of water, right? What's the difference? They're both bottles of water, but why is it that people are willing to pay two to three times more for the Fiji than the just whatever the other bottle of water is? And so they have done a brilliant job of articulating their unique selling proposition, and they support that with the design of the bottle. So what's different about a Fiji bottle of water versus just about every bottle of water? The bottle's kind of square, right? It's a rectangle. It's not a round bottle of water like every other bottle of water. So I would begin by articulating that first and foremost, nailing down what's gonna make me different, how I'm gonna deliver on the wants, needs, and desires of my target audience, and then make sure that everything else, all the collateral supports that USP. 
in kind of the same sense, you're starting your new business or, you know, we talk about a lot of businesses that are, that are already in existence and your limited resources are, are time and money. And I'd argue all day long that time is more valuable than, than uh, what I can see that are very valuable money. What do you see in your experiences and in the marketing world, uh, some of the biggest time wasters that business owners are devoting these resources towards and what could you potentially tell them to do differently? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ken. Uh, time is the thing early on that you think you have a lot more of when you're first starting out, right? You often feel when you're first starting out that money is more scarce than time. And it's a very difficult mentality to shift around, especially if you're bootstrapping. Now, if you've got VC money um, or investor, outside investors, that equation may be a little bit different. But if you're bootstrapping, um, it often feels like, you know, you've got more time than you've got money. But I would completely agree with you. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I would say is, is not carefully guarding that time. First of all, not being aware of the value of the time. But the other component or the other thing that I would say is that not being crystal, crystal clear that every action you take with regard to marketing, there should be a very clear path to how that's going to lead to a sell. So what I see so often is I see people in the early stages of starting a business and they, they look around, they say, okay, social media is the thing right now. You know, I got to be on Facebook. I got to be on Instagram. I got to be on YouTube, whatever the newest and the greatest social media thing they've got to be a part of. And they will literally spend hours and hours figuring out what to post, when to post, how to post with no thought, zero thought given to how am I going to make the transition from all this stuff I'm doing on social to getting dollars in my bank account. Early on, I don't think you have the luxury of spending time on things that aren't as direct as possible to getting money in the bank account. That's just, you know, that's from my experience starting several companies over the years, all of them bootstrapped. And I've certainly made those mistakes early on, you know, overanalyzing, over trying to over engineer the marketing side of things. Um, you've got to keep the path from the marketing piece component, whatever that is, to the closing of the sale, to the purchase as short as possible. So laser focused and, and don't be distracted by the things that uh, might seem like uh, shiny objects and not uh, that won't bear fruit in the shorter term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing I would say, just kind of tying into that, a big mistake I think people make is they, you know, so let's say that I'm starting a jewelry store. So I want to start a jewelry store. Well, what do I do? I go look around at what all my competitors are doing in my marketplace, right? So, oh, I see this one's posting on Facebook, you know, three times a day. This one's over here doing, you know, billboards or this one's doing newspaper, whatever they're doing. And so what we then think is, okay, well, if they're doing that, it must be working. So I'm going to go copy, you know, the, the media that they're using to do that. And I would say that's a big mistake is, is looking around trying to emulate what other people are doing um, when often they're doing that not out of, out of a strategic approach or strategic thought process, they're often doing that because that's what they've done for years or that's because, you know, whatever the reason may be, just because someone in your space is doing it doesn't necessarily make it a great 
thing for you to go copy and go do, right? So I would often say, I would say ignore what they're doing. You should be aware of what they're doing, but just because they're doing Facebook doesn't mean you have to do Facebook, right? You don't have to go do what they're doing just because they do it. You bring up an interesting point, and I, uh, in a former life, was a yellow page rep, and we used to play that card all the time with so-and-so your competitor is <laughs> you know buying this size or has this size ad last year i can't tell you if he's going bigger or smaller but you have to guess that he's doing pretty well with this right you see his trucks all over town and you play on that fear that competitive edge and it kind of mimics a little bit what you're talking about there that it's not the best idea in the world uh, even if it if they are doing something tv radio billboards uh, Facebook, whatever it might be, and they seem to have their stuff together, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, it's a sound strategy that's bearing fruit for them. I completely agree with you. And uh, we would we would use that same approach when, when I was doing outdoor billboard sales right out of college, exact same thing. Uh, and it was amazing. You know, you put up a billboard for um, a local business and just a matter of time before the competitor calls asking about, you know, can I get a proposal on getting some outdoor outdoor space? And so it, it's a it's a I guess a human tendency that when we see somebody else do something, we assume it's the right thing to do, right? It's kind of a social proof that we're not yeah. even aware we're falling victim to or or prey to. And I can't tell you the number of of clients we get, you know, on the website side of things, where you know a competitor just got a new website, so they see it, so they come to us and. They don't usually directly say the competitor got a new website, but they come to us saying, you know, it's time to rebrand, re redo our website. And we know, you know, we're in a very small market here locally. So we're very aware of what takes place in our markets. We can see, oh, um, here's why they're doing it. You know, this competitor just got a new new website. Fun stuff. And they almost can predict that, uh, that phone, like you said, that phone call coming from uh, the when you were selling billboards, knowing that that one went up and be like, three, two, one, phone's <laughs> ringing now. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's but the interesting points to, to look and say, while it is important to understand what your competition's doing, it's not necessarily the path that you should travel being unique and having that USP will uh, differentiate yourself. So what are you working on now, Wayne? Well, you seem like you, you've you're constantly on the move. You've uh, more from landscaper to web development company marketer and. Uh, author so what are you working on now what's got you excited uh either right now or or maybe in the future what's coming down the line for the marketing slash sales world yeah i mean one of the things that i'm super excited about now and it's it's not new but it, it is new when you get down to a local business level is utilizing video and utilizing story in video as a marketing tool or as a marketing piece. And there's such a need in the marketplace right now, one, for you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs to understand how to utilize story in their marketing. But then two, how to utilize that story in video. And so right now I'm just, uh, I'm kind of obsessed and studying, doing a lot of studying on video and the use of story in video, specifically as it relates to marketing and utilizing it in marketing channels. So that's that's what's got me excited right now. That's uh, 
we're doing some stuff kind of behind the scenes with some pretty well-known clients, well-known names. If I mentioned, you would you'd probably recognize um, behind the scenes with them and kind of doing some split tests on, on what's getting results, what isn't. Awesome stuff. That's fascinating. And storytelling is something that I find is lacking in so much, whether, you know, video is obviously the, the optimal medium for delivering a great story, but even in, even in text or through visuals and telling a story, it's got stickiness that, uh, I mean, it, would you agree with me? Most web copy is pretty boring and uh, you can take that to another <laughs> level with a story and having it resonate with someone. Yeah. And that the word resonate, that's, that's the key word. Absolutely. Hey, Wayne, you've shared a lot of great uh, information with us today. If you could give one piece of parting advice for our listening audience, what would that be? Marketing, web, um, all of it, you know, I, I would say this, and it, it's easy to say, so then I have to give a brief exclamation. Stop chasing the magic bullets. Stop chasing the magic bullets. Stick to the things that are tried and true. Then you learn to utilize those tried and true things within the new forms of media, the new forms of marketing that are coming out, that are coming down. Um, always think through the path of how will this piece, this component lead to a sell, right? So, you know, the distinction, I guess, between kind of brand building, brand <clears throat> marketing versus the old school direct response marketing. It, it's nothing wrong with brand building at all. We do it. We have clients who do it. We support them. You know, we build campaigns around that. But we always want to understand, and it's very important that you understand the path. How is this thing that we're doing going to lead into the top of the funnel, right? Lead into that top of that funnel. Awesome advice. Neon Noise Nation, stop chasing the magic bullets. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, um, hey, Wayne, what is the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? Should they go to your website? How do they purchase your book? Yep. So website, they can go there, uglymugmarketing.com. Um, the book is available on Amazon, so they can pick it up there if they'd like. Um, that's, that's the best two places. And if you don't mind, let me leave just one simple thing that that everybody could do. It's a simple formula. Everybody could do. They could go to their website today and ask themselves these questions. And I think if they did that and kind of walk through these questions, super, super easy questions, they would realize some things that maybe need to be adjusted on their website. Is that right if I run through those real quick? Yeah, fire away. Yeah, fire away. Sure. Okay, so we call these the critical five. The critical five. And when we're designing a website, we ask these five questions about every single page. So not just about the website in its entirety, but every single page on the site. So the very first question is who's here? Now, that may vary from page to page. The who is here may vary from page to page. So the, the who on your homepage is likely slightly different than the who that is on your products page. Now, it may be the same, but that person that's on the product page is now a little bit more interested, right? So it's a slightly different person. So the first question is, who's here? Mm -hmm. Go through your, every page on your website and ask yourself, who would be on this page? Who's here? The next question is, what do I want them to do? What do I want them to do on this specific page? Right? Not the website in its entirety, but on this specific page, yeah. what do I want them to do? 
And it may be as simple as learn something. It may be as simple as click something to go to another page. But what do you want them to do? The next one is how do you want them to do that, right? So is it is it a click? Is it a video play? Is it add to cart? What? How are they going to accomplish that thing that you want them to do? The next one is um, what's in it for them, right? So why? The, the question is why. Why should they take the action that you want them to take from their perspective, not from your perspective, from their perspective? It's the old um, WFIIM or WIFFM. What's in it for me, right? What's in it for them? Sure. Yeah. Why should they take that action? And then the last one is when. When do you want them to take that action? And the answer is not always immediate, right? So it's not always I want them to do it right now, right today. There are certain instances that it may not be for a week, it may not be for a month, it may not be for a year. So the critical five is what we call them. We ask those questions about every single page. Who's here? What do we want them to do it? How are they going to do it? Why should they do it? And when do we want them to do it? Love it. Awesome. Maybe a little homework for our listeners. Go check out the critical five and do it on your website today. Good stuff, Wayne. Thanks again for being on the show today. Um, as always, we will have show notes available at neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Uh, until next time, this is Justin Ken and Wayne signing off. Neon Noise Nation, we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, please subscribe, share with a friend, or write a review. We want to cover the topics you want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like Justin and Ken to cover, connect with us on Twitter at Neon Goldfish or through our website at neongoldfish.com.